Hey, y'all, and welcome to Recovery Real Talk. Nothing changes if nothing changes. I am a grateful alcoholic addict. My problem is Teddy, and I'll be your tour guide on this bozo bus that's just trying to stay sober and keep it between the ditches. I want to welcome you all and to let you know how humbled we are that you've taken out your time to give us a listen. If you're already a subscriber, thanks and welcome back. If this is your first time, it's great to have you with us. Please take a second and hit subscribe, like us, and share us if you dig what we're trying to say. We are so grateful that you guys are all here. We hope that our little show is going to be fun, insightful, but most importantly, real. We are here to be of service to those who are in a program of recovery or those of you who may just be tired of playing the same silly games expecting different prizes. We hope to share our experience, strength, and hope with you that you too may recover from a hopeless state of mind and body. Just a quick FYI, by no means and most assuredly do we not speak for AA, NA, CA, or any 12-step program as a whole. You are free to agree or disagree with anything we say as you see fit. In fact, if we do say anything that can't be reconciled with the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous or the 12 and 12, we suggest you stop. Don't pay attention to anything we say. And then please, send help, because one of us have lost our damn mind again. This is real talk about recovery. So if you're offended by a little bad language, we're sorry. Just consider yourself warned. Now y'all ready? Let's go. Guys, I just want to let you know how blessed we are to have my, my guest in the studio today. Uh, you know, Rich is a really good uh, friend of mine, and it's somebody he's somebody that I aspire to my program to um, to emulate. And there there's just some really good stuff that comes out of his out of his um, his mouth at meetings. And I thought it'd be a great opportunity to you know just kind of pick his brain and, and get to see on the real side of it what what it looks like to him. And so um, you know, I want to introduce Rich K. And hey, brother, how are you? Oh, good. How are you, man? I am good. You know where? Um, where do you? You know where do you? Where are you from originally? I'm from a place called Belvernon, Pennsylvania, originally. Pennsylvania, near, near Pittsburgh. All right. Now, how's the married life treating you? Married life is treating me good. Uh, uh, I just got married in June yeah. of uh, 22, and uh, I had been married before. And so, uh, after 18 years of, of marriage, you know, I had a little hiatus for about five years and, and, uh, I met my, uh, current wife and, uh, we're doing just, just great. We live down in prosper now. That's, I mean, that is, that it's, it's so cool. Cause, uh, you know, I, I was, I wasn't able to make it, but I, you know, I got to see the pictures and, um, really cool. So I mean, how how how's how, how's it been going in your life? You know, I mean, something. Give me something recent that uh, that you expected or that you didn't expect um, that's happening right now. Um. Well, I mean, I'm I'm uh, working with a friend of mine to start a little business. So that was something that was that's kind of a surprise. I obviously uh, am a little surprised with being married again. Um, so that was a, another big change in my life. And, um, other than that, you know, uh, things have been pretty, pretty steady, you know, over the last few years, which, which I really like. It has its highs and lows. Um, I'm involved in a family now, you know, she has a couple of kids where I didn't have 
you know, kids to deal with before, but they're older kids. So they're one's out of college and one's in college now. So, you know, the whole, you know, transition, but you know, uh, it seems like marriage is sort of like riding a bike. Once you learn how to do it, <laughs> you know, uh, hopefully I can learn from some of my past lessons and do it a little bit better this time. Cool, man. Cool. And, uh, I wish you guys the best of luck. Um, she must be a saint. Um, <laughs> she must be. <laughs> um, what has been on your mind recently that you, that you hope to share with our listeners tonight? Um, well, I mean, whenever you gave me a list of the topics, there's there, you know, the topic that we're going to discuss, you know, uh, spirituality versus, you know, religion and, and the difference thereof is something that is uh, very important to me because the main reason it's important to me is because I have struggled with it for a long time. And there were uh, a few things that have occurred in my sobriety that, you know, uh, help, help me overcome that hurdle. And so, you know, I like to talk about that sort of thing. A lot of people uh, sort of corner me and don't think that I have a belief in God. Um, and, you know, I'm just here to say just because I don't believe how you do doesn't mean that I don't have a belief in God. And, and that is, you know, things, those terms get confused and I want to give my experience with them. And I think that, I think that's incredible. So, I mean, remind me again, um, what, what is your sobriety date? December 10th, 1986. Wow. Man, just came in, stuck around for a little while. Um, if you don't mind me asking, who had, you know, who would you say had the most influence um, in, in your recovery? Um, it's very, very difficult for me to in, uh, to pinpoint one particular thing. I, I, I have come to learn in this program that it literally takes a tribe in here for us to move into the different areas of our lives that we uh, move into. And, uh, you know, my, uh, there was a guy I, I became familiar with. He ran a rehab and one of the rehabs that I went to the second one in West Virginia. And he took a, uh, very kind approach towards me and he was a very big support for me. And I still talk to him today after all these years. And he supported me whenever I was 16 years old. And I was just, in fact, I came out of the rehab on my 16th birthday and uh, went to live with him and his family because he knew I had nowhere to go. Uh, my alcoholism had taken everything from me. I didn't have a place to live. My behavior was horrid. And, you know, I was sort of just lost in space, you know, for a while. So I didn't get sober at that time, but he became a part of my life at that time. So he probably has had um, the biggest impact on me getting sober because he took me to meetings early on and, and, uh, you know, our first three steps is about surrender and the restoration of hope and getting into action. And, you know, he was able to put me in front of people where I was able to see that there was actually hope for me and I didn't have to die from this thing if I didn't want to. Well, you know, I personally am glad he was around. I'll tell you that much. Um, you know, What's the one the one idea that you think that the majority of people get wrong about AA? What do people get wrong about AA? That's a good question, and uh, I really don't know the answer to that question. I know that I think uh, as far as a newcomer comes in and and doesn't you know stick or stay with it, you know for a while, I think that they uh, don't give it a chance and they don't become a part of, uh, what, you know, becoming friends with people, going out to dinner, you know, hanging out. Um, 
And that is one of the things that I've done all, all throughout my life. And I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I've only had AA friend, member friends uh, throughout my whole sobriety because that's not true. In fact, about 30 or 40% of my life is, is AA, and about 20 to 30% of my life is, you know, the outdoor activities that I like to do for fun. And, you know, the rest is work relationships and just general friends, you know, in, in, uh, in general. So, um, I think that, that I've, what I've witnessed is people have a very difficult time in sticking and becoming part of the process and allowing it to become part of their lives. And they step out before that occurs. And then, you know, some people come in and stick around for a year, year and a half or two, and then, you know, they sort of drift off into Neverland for a little while. Some stay sober and get miserable and come back, and some, you know, uh, go back out. So, you know, it's always a dice, uh, dice roll with, with folks. You bet. No, and I'd forgotten all about the uh, outdoor activities that you like from a, uh, you know, from a guy that had always wanted to hike that, you know, the Appalachian Trail. I, I, I'm glad I get to interview somebody who's, who's at least done that. So, um, you know, when you said, you know, the, the di- you know, what is, you know, what the, there's a difference between um, spirituality and religion, um, what does that look like to you? Um, well, I want to start this conversation off with reading a little bit out, out of the, uh, the Steps We Took book from, from Joe McHugh. Feel free. Um, and this is in the, in the introduction portion of it, and I think that it, it really sums up, and it's, gonna, and it's gonna take me about a minute to a minute or two to read through this. The floor I, is yours, my friend. And I think that this really sums up what the goal of you know AA or what it's represented in my life. And again, I, you know, I only have my experience, and that's what I'm sharing. I'm not trying to change anybody's mind about anything. This is a problem that I struggled with for a long time. And, um, you know, I want to share experience on that. So uh, on page 14 of that book, there's a, there's a few paragraphs that I wanted to read. The exciting thing about the 12 steps is that they teach us how to live. Once we know the design of living and the principles of living a successful life, we find we not only get over the problems we see, but we avoid many other problems we, have, we would have had. To me, the miracle is that all... This was boiled down into 12 simple steps anyone can apply. My idea in this book is to talk about the steps, about how they are principles of living. The steadfast and never-changing universal laws undoubtedly established by something beyond man. These principles that apply to human behavior are as dependable as the principles that govern physics. Sometimes we might Imagine just once water wouldn't freeze at 32 degrees, but no matter where we are, it always does. When God made water, he made the governing principle that, and that principle is dependable because it is unchanging. The same is true for principles that govern human behavior. If we understand the principles which God has made to govern our lives, we can accomplish many and more better lives. Yet most of us know more about principles that govern nature than we do about the principles that govern our own lives. There are, v- there are few people in our society who seem able or willing to teach us principles. I think the family and the church are, and the institutions that could be teaching the principles stopped many years ago and started making rules. It's easier to give rules than it is to teach principles. But when you... <coughs> Excuse me. 
but whenever you don't know the principles, you usually can't help but break the rules, sometimes all the rules. If you have the principles, you don't really need rules. That's the great thing about the 12 steps. They aren't rules. The 12 steps don't have do's and don'ts. That's the principles. That's what principles are. Guidelines for what to do. 12 steps are principles to live by. It comes down basically to surrender. The 12 steps teach us that successful living is being in harmony with God and our fellow man. It is putting ourselves to maximum service to, of God and our fellows. The reward is simple. It's harmony, it's happiness, it's contentment. And that's from Joe McHugh. And I'm, I, lo I love Joe and Charlie, you know, was raised on them. So, you know, that, that's pure wisdom there, my friend. That's pure wisdom. So you said you had something else that you might want to read from? Uh, yeah, I'll get to that in a second. But, but to get to um, the reason that I even read that is because it illustrates what the 12 steps actually are about. And we, we say terms and we say words in the program sometimes, and I find that it, sometimes those words and terms are said because they sound good or they, you know, uh, are big words. And, you know, the principles are a very important process. And my biggest issue in growing up and in eventually, you know, having a difficult time in getting sober and then after getting sober, getting a handle on my own, you know, bad behavior that I had was around the lack of principles. And, you know, when I finally got to the point in both instances in sobriety and to get sober to really break down and get honest for who and what I really was, then I was in a position to try something different as opposed to trying to get around doing the right thing, you know, all those times. So, you know, I feel it's very, it's very, uh, it's a very con important concept in Alcoholics Anonymous that we are not here to tell you what to do. We are here to provide an example and to show through the steps how to integrate principles into your life that will help you have a better life. I found it not to be a perfect life, but I am significantly better than what I have been in the past. And for that, I'm, you know, I'm grateful. Well, you bet. You bet. No, I mean, I, I, you know. Speak it, brother, and that's the thing. The thing is, is, you know, I had a big issue with the, the G.O.D., you know, um, question and the difference between spirituality and religion. And, you know, the, the best way I heard it said one time in a meeting that, um, you know, religion is for people who are scared of going to hell and spirituality is for folks that spend a lot of time there. So, you know, from, from that standpoint, but I really and truly, you know, would like to, you know, dig a little bit deeper and, and, and see how that works and how, what's that look like to Rich? So um, I would definitely uh, have a different uh, view of the two definitions of those. Um, and to me, um, and this is from years of struggle and, you know, um, boggling this around my head for years. But for me, I have come down to that spirituality is my personal relationship with my higher power and <clears throat> religion comes down to a group of beliefs and procedures and practices shared by a group of people that lead that could lead to spirituality so i like that um so technically speaking religion just like the fellowship of alcoholics anonymous can be construed as a religion um any religion uh out there obviously can be construed 
but it's the sharing of values and you know it's the group support that is supposed to enable you to become closer to your to your personal god um and as joe illustrated in his book and i have found in my life that 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 the context of what he he wrote in his book um has been true as opposed to teaching rules or teaching principles uh those institutions have have laid down the law and you know used hell as a threatening sort of thing you're going to hell you know if you don't do these things and um my general concept today of a spiritual experience for me is you know we're all we all belong to the same for lack of better terms blob and sure. the way that i visualize what god is if you if god was the sun and the sun was made up of a gabillion candles you know each one of us would be one of those wicks on the candle so as a lot of our modern religions teach you know god created us in his own image and that's not our human image it's our spiritual image and that that spiritual image is around creation um and i believe that's really the fundamental portion of god is creation and i believe love is is part of that equation also and you know i believe he created us to be little creators um i like that and that's what you know and my life changed considerably after about 15 years of sobriety really 14 or 15 years of sobriety whenever i listened to another book called conversations with god um which you know helped mold have me a little bit more uh a more firm firm belief in in a higher power that and walking through the steps and actually being able to to apply some of the principles to actually see bad behaviors begin to be changed um those were those were two essential keys but you know in uh um in the book conversations with god you know it talks about a number of those those things and you know god really because i always questioned well you know if there is a god why do we have rape or why do we have child cancer sure i think we all have why do we have war and you know and the and i listened to the audio version of that book which which i really enjoyed because it it has a, a voice for god that answers you know, oh, well. the author's questions and it, it goes between a, a a masculine voice and a female voice in different parts of the, of the thing so it's it's really uh, it was really sort of a pleasant experience, but one of the things that they that they had covered in there, again, this this is a book, human made, and you know, um, is that God is about creation without regard to consequence, and and whenever I see the world in action, that seems to be something that's very uh, that's very important, now, very needed. <laughs> yeah. Now, getting back to you know one of the fundamental principles that I think we need to have you know, in learning our process is, you know, one of the words that is often confused also in AA from my experience, and that's that's the word humility. Um, and on page 58 of our 12 and 12, it get, there's a paragraph in there that really states exactly what humility is. And I, I'm, I'm sharing this because I missed it for years. I've been to thousands of AA meetings. I've been to hundreds, maybe a thousand, you know, 12 and 12, I've been through these books many, many times, and for years this this one eluded me. So uh, this is on page 58 uh, of the 12 and 12. Another great dividend we may expect from confiding our defects to another human being is humility, a word often misunderstood. 
To those who have made progress in AA, it amounts to a clear recognition of what and who we really are, followed by a sincere attempt to become what we could be. Therefore, our first practical move towards humility must consist of recognizing our deficiencies. No defect can be corrected unless we clearly see what it is. But we shall have to do more than see. The objective look at ourselves we achieved in step four, after all, only is a look. All of us saw, for example, that we lacked honesty or tolerance and that we've been beset at times by attacks of self-pity or delusions of personal grandeur. But while this was a humiliating experience, it didn't necessarily mean that we had had yet acquired much actual humility. Though now recognized, our defects were still there. Something had to be done about them, and we soon found that we could not wish or will them away. And, you know, that part in there where it says, to those who have made progress, it amounts to a clear recognition of who and what we really are, followed by the sincere attempt of to become what we could be. And, you know, I believe that that's really the underlying of the 12 steps um, is, you know, I believe that, that God is in each one of us. And I believe that I have to open up that channel. It's funny, I was sitting in a meeting the other night and, you know, and, and I, it, it dawned on me. Uh, but for years, you know, you sit in, in meetings and people will say, well, what's God's will for me? I don't understand what God's will is for me. You know, and the, you know, <laughs> and numbers of people will say this all the time. And the thought came over me, you know, after, you know, practicing the 11 stuff for, for many years, you know, and I thought, well, did you ever ask? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cool. I like that. You know, cause if you, if you practice the 11th step and you ask that question, and you practice it on a regular basis and get better and better at it. Because that's what we do as humans. We learn and we establish that conscious contact with our higher power. Then we, we start hearing, not only in, in, that, in our subconscious, but we start watching the world better. And we start seeing the answers because, you know, God doesn't just talk to us from, from one place. It's, it's our total you know, experience that, that he speaks from. So, you know, uh, to me, it's, you know, if, if I'm really struggling with that concept, I have to start paying attention, start paying attention and learning those channels that I have in order to communicate to God. So, I mean, through prayer, meditation, you know, that type of thing, because I've heard some people at, at some meetings go, you know, prayer is me talking to, talking to God and meditation is, me listening for him or being aware of, you know, what he has to say. And it might be through, you know, someone else, or it might be through, you know, something that I'm reading or something that I'm hearing, um, you know, from, from that standpoint, is, is that really, you know, kind of what you're saying? That's, that's pretty much exactly what I'm saying. I think in the years that I've been in, in AA and in my own personal experience, the, the, the step that I, resisted against the most has been step 11. And why, why is that? Because it's hard, <laughs> particularly whenever you first come into the program, <laughs> you know, the, the one, the number one thing I hear, you know, newcomers that, that are going into this say, well, I can't shut my mind down. Well, the purpose of step 11 isn't to shut your mind down. 
the purpose of step 11 is to start establishing communication with God and to start understanding what's going through that area between your two ears. You know, in one of the, uh, there was a t- period of time, I don't know, I was, you know, 10, 11 years sober, and I really wanted to focus in on, on step 11. And I took classes and I read books and, you know, did all kinds of stuff. And, you know, one of the things, one, in one of those books I heard uh, one of the authors say, you know, step 11 is like sitting on the shore of a, of a river and watching all of it go by and picking out the things that you want to look at going down. Ooh, I like that. And, you know, that really touched me in terms of, you know, being able to, you know, when I practice step 11 in the morning particularly, you know, I put myself in a position to, A, see what's going to be coming down the pike. Where are my struggles today? You know, am I irritable? You know, do I have, you know, some other work to do? So it gives me a little bit of a precursor into what my day is going to be like if I want it to be. Um, and two, you know, I do exactly what you, what you said, you know, I have questions and I pose those questions and I just listen for a little while and I may not hear nothing in, in that particular time. Um, but you know, usually some point in time in the next few days or, you know, in a conversation with somebody, things hit me, you know? And so, you know, I, you know, one of the best applications for step 11 for me is to put me in a position to be open, you know, to what's going on. And, you know, to, to do what I think is, is God's will is for me, which is to live as, as best as I can. Well, you know, Rich, I don't, I don't hear a whole lot of, um, m- you know, maintenance out of that. I hear, you know, what you're stating is that, you know, step 11 is a growth step that you continue to grow through that. And is, is that about, you know, what, what, what I hear from you? Yeah, it definitely is. And, and step 11 is also uh, like the gym. You know, uh, you're not going to walk into the gym on your first day or go out to run a marathon on your first day and run a marathon or go into the weight room and, and uh, you know, be able to pound up 400 pounds and that thing. It takes work. It takes practice. It takes learning. It takes, you know, everything. And, and that's exactly the, the way that I treat Step 11 is it is, a, it is a gym membership. And the more I practice and the more I open myself up to the process, that's i mean you know that's that's a hell of insight in all reality man that kind of blows my skirt to be honest with you you know um in 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 all reality you know if you know hopefully you know we 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 do this because you know there's somebody out there that's struggling you know there's somebody out there that you know might not be on the 11th step maybe you know 11th is is not too you know it seems far out you know, but the things in which that you're talking about is really and truly um, what I'm getting out is the more times that I can I can pause and, and, and I can pray and, and I can listen, you know, I might have an opportunity to meet my higher power. I think that if you particularly listen and spend some quiet time, because I believe, like I said, uh, one of my core beliefs is that God is in, in each and every one of us. And he's just dying to get out, you know. And uh, and the problem is, is that we, you know, I haven't always learned the best communication process with him. And the number one direct communication process that I found, or the two of them actually, one is in the meditation portion of it, and actually listening, asking questions, and then listening for a little while, and then listening to 
people in the rooms and in areas of my life give their life experiences. I think you're 100% correct. You know, um, it comes from, you know, the rooms of AA, you know, I, I continue to believe that, you know, it's the it's the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous that it, they, that get us sober, but it's that fellowship um, that, you know, I really and truly hear from God. I mean, I, I call, uh, you know, when somebody asks me where do I know somebody from or somebody asks me, hey, where do you know Rich from? I, I just say that we go to church together. You know, um, from 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 that standpoint, because you know, within those rooms, you know, we get to see some real miracles, and we get to see you know people go from hopelessness to you know a brand new you know a brand new way of life, um, and that's that's incredible for us, and that's incredible you know because there's hope you know um, you know if you're out there right now and 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 you're struggling with this and you know you're thinking. Man, I, you know, I, I just can't do this. There's, you know, there's so many things that are standing in my way. Man, you know, we want, we want you to know that you're not alone. You know, the one thing that I've learned through all of this so far in my limited time, because I damn sure didn't get um, sober in 1986. That was the first time I went to an AA meeting. But the fact is, is if, if we can do it, anybody can. Yeah, the, the other part of what you were saying is, you know, there's, and the other thing that I've learned in this is, you know, there's people with long per- long periods of sobriety that hurt also. They, you know, got lost along the way. I've been there. You know, one of the things about long-term sobriety is you experience a lot of different types of sobriety. You know, you know, whenever somebody comes in for the, for uh, uh, their first meeting or something, it's very easy to, you know, people are just falling all over themselves to get in front of that person and to talk to them. But if you're an old timer walking into a room, say in a new area or anything, and somebody learns that you have some time, you know, uh, they're not as easily to, to approach you. You know, when I moved to different areas, I had to learn that I had to put out my hand. I had to learn that I have to continue this process in, in my daily life. Um, and I have to, you know, I have to be. I have to be on my own team. <laughs> sure, no, it's... you know, I can't walk into the back of a room and sit down and expect people just to fall all over themselves and come up and talk to me. <laughs> um, I have to put out my hand, and you know, it's easier. And I, you know, I think that it's it it can be just as clear to see these these miracles in everyday life. You know, one of the th- one of the things that I always say in meetings is we don't get here on a winning streak, and we see a lot of miracles in AA because we get a lot of very broken people coming in, in, in their lives. And, you know, any change in that is going to be pretty much dramatic for anyone who watches it. Um, so I don't think it's, you know, limited to our rooms in terms of miracles. I think it's the human process. And I think, I think if we have our eye eyes open, we see it, you know, in our kids and we see it in, you know, other areas of our lives too, you know, both of the, both of my wives and either one, um, are in the program, but they, you know, live life in a good fashion and they both have a good life, you know, because they have these, their set of principles in their life. It's exactly, I mean, I was going to go back, right back to those principles and, you know, those, those principles are, are, you know, again, what I, what I call virtues, you know, um, you know, the, the, the character defects or, you know, those type things, you know, are just virtues that, you know, we've kind of bastardized because we were in our disease um, and not everybody does that, you know, not everybody, um, does that normal people don't do that. <laughs> only, only, only us alcoholics and, and addicts do that. Um, you know, from, from that, the standpoint of, you know, the newcomer, 
um, you know, what would what would you say to the newcomer that, you know, is probably, let's just say, within his first year of sobriety? And because I, I remember when I when I when I got to step 11 um, and it said meditation, I had no idea what meditation was. None whatsoever. Um, and do not, whatever you do out there, man, don't go to Netflix and think that um, they're going to teach you how to meditate because they just taught me how to go to sleep easier. Um, but I heard a guy at a, meet, at, a, at, a at a conference say something that once took five minutes um, can now go an hour and a half. And, um, and I just met him at the bottom of the stage and I said, you know, what do you do? How do you do it? Everything else. And, you know, the thing, the thing about it was, was the, the message that he told me was it was out of a, one page out of a book and it was sit down, shut up, be still and listen and be open to it. And, you know, whether it's an audible voice or whether it's, you know, those type things, because, you know, God, you know, God, my, my higher power who I choose to call God today um, he has a, you know, it has an audible voice um, to me. And so, you know, the, the idea is, is, but I also get to see him and my children because now I'm present, you know, and my wife because I'm present for her um, and those type things. And so, you know, but what would you say to the, 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 the guy that's, that's there and, and he's kind of, you know, struggling with, with that because I know that we have the promise right behind it of the, of the 12th step you know, from, from that standpoint, but, you know, really and truly what, 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 what was, what's the real deal around, you know, step 11 and making that not a maintenance step, but a growth step. Doing it. Um, that's, you know, even if it's five or 10 minutes and, you know, allowing yourself to race it. When I first started doing it, it was painful to sit down for 10 minutes. It was painful to sit down for 10 minutes and, 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 and try, because this is what I thought I had to do, try not to think about something. And that is not what meditation is, you know? And finally, so here's the bottom line is like, I have to get interested in topics before I become open to really trying different things in order to do it. I'll just sit there and listen, hear people talk about it for years and years and years. But one day I'm going to, I wake up and I say, man, I'm going to try that. You know, and that's whenever everything opens up, you know, for me. That's whenever I'm out and, you know, I'm a sort of a computer uh, person uh, by trade, so I solve problems, you know, and I think of many different ways in order to be able to solve problems. So I go out and I start researching, and I start reading books, I start listening to books, I start talking to people, and then I start trying. But, you know, the, the first thing in my own personal experience was is I had to cease fighting everyone and anyone because I came into this program with an attitude towards God and from my mom tried to cure my alcoholism with religion you know in growing up and um, that left a very bad taste in my mouth because what I found was I was put into a position of being judged and um, always felt bad you know for it and whatever, you know, whatever situation that, that, that was, that's the way I came into the program. You know, I came into my, the program with a chip on my shoulder and I hear any of the common dogma in religion, um, you know, it would create a, a big burst of negative emotions sure. in me. So I had to, I had to, and it took me years to kind of work through that. And, you know, I was in a position and I started listening to a lot of stuff. I had a 45 minute one way commute to work for 
14 years whenever I lived in North Carolina. So I would listen to a lot of books, and that's whenever I started listening to Conversations with God. I listened to a couple books from the Dalai Lama and just various, many other books that I, I really started listening to. And I became open. And once I became open, then the, the dominoes started to fall. And then the, the, the day I picked up the Conversations with God and I started listening to that, which is, you know, a, a few days it took to, to be able to get through that. And it just was like going bowling and it was just like it hit a strike with me. And from that moment on, during that ride, I remember the change in my thinking, you know, something that was a working part of my brain in a negative capacity turned to something positive. And I don't struggle with what God is anymore. I don't struggle with who God is. I don't struggle with, you know, I had to get to the point where I was willing to tear down everything I learned. What I was trying to do is I was trying to take all these things I had learned that didn't work for me and use a hammer and pound these square pegs in the round holes. And I struggled a long time because I thought that was the right way to do. But in AA, AA gives us the concept of getting behind a God that works for us. Yeah. And whenever I actually understood that, I was like, wow, you know, I don't have to use any of that stuff. And I started from ground zero from that point. And I started building up a working interest in my higher power. And I started developing a spiritual connection, spirituality, that connection with my higher power. And, you know, and I've pulled upon many different resources in the program, outside the program, to bring that together. And something that was a daily struggle every day in my mind doesn't exist anymore and hasn't existed from that day forward. I don't struggle with it. That's, I mean, that that's so awesome. You know, and some of the some of the words that you know I just keyed off of, you know, some of the things that you were saying. You know, it, it, it was around willingness, and it was around action. You know, um, you know, those are those things that, you know, the newcomer can really and truly, you know, it takes action to do these things. You know, I can be willing to do something, but and you know that's just a fantasy until I put it into action, and you know. That's, you know, exactly what you're talking about. You know, if something blows your skirt up or if, if God puts something on your mind that you want to learn more about, then you're going to take the action to do that. Well, I don't think you're going to take any action until you get interested in changing. I like that. And so, you know, that's another place where we get to, where I got to in many different areas of my sobriety. You know, I've, I've been there, you know, and, you know, that, that fight. But whenever I got interested when I finally got interested in being sober, I got sober. I got over the hurdles that were holding me back. I got over, you know, I learned the things that I need to do. I developed the relationships and I got over it. But, you know, we'll sit there and hit somebody over the head. It takes action. It takes action. But, you know, without that desire, you can, you can lecture to your blue in the face. And it's not, trust me, I've had many sponsees, you know, over the years who, um, who didn't make it. And it's not because I didn't provide them with the most, the most intellectual, intellectual knowledge that, it, you know, God, God given by man. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> but it's because they weren't ready to be where they needed to be. But, you know, I mean, and, you know, just like the, 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 the title of this, of this podcast is, you know, nothing changes if nothing changes. And you, you really do have to be, you know, 
have that desire. And, and, you know, for me, you know, it was just, I'd had enough, you know, I'd, I'd had enough of just, you know, living the life that I thought I was doomed to live. Mm-hmm. And, you know, by the grace of God and, and the program of Alcoholics Anonymous, you know, I'm sober today. And for that, I'm, I'm, you know, eternally grateful. So, uh, you know, if give, give me a, a, an idea of, you know, how have you changed the most over the last year? How have I changed the most over the last year? Um, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know that there has been like monumentalist uh, avalanche changes, you know, in the last year. Um, I, there's, there's, there's a handful of particularly strong changes, you know, in my life uh, that have led me to a more uh, um, level way of being. And, you know, I had a, I had a breakdown, which got me sober. You know, I, ha- I came to the point where I wanted to be something different, and I took the steps in order to be something different. And, but I didn't really work the program of Alcoholics Anonymous for 10, 11 years. And then I about had a nervous breakdown in, in the program. And uh, I didn't drink. You know, but I wasn't spiritually fit. Wow. And I came close to drinking. And, you know, at that point, I got to the same place I was with my alcoholism, with my behavior, and I wanted to push forward and do something different. And that's whenever I picked up the Joe and Charlie tapes, and I got a sponsor who actually wanted to do something with me. And I engaged that sponsor, and I started going to, you know, individual meetings, you know, where special meetings in people's garages. And, you know, I had a little farm in, in North Carolina with 20 acres of land, and I would have retreats two times a year, you know, on that farm. We would have speakers and, you know, a whole weekend of recovery and, and things like that. So uh, in the last year, you know, aside from getting married, you know, not a lot has, has changed. But I, I consistently go to at least four meetings a week, you know, every day. Yeah. I have uh, about a half dozen sponsors. Yeah. <laughs> Well, on the lighter side of things, Rich, I'm going to throw a curveball at you. Um, you know, if, if you had the choice, what super what what superpower um, do you wish you had? What superpower? Yeah, yeah. X-rays, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> spoken like a great alcoholic. <laughs> uh, it would, you know, I would like to have an easier path to. Uh, to stop fighting. I, I can dig that. I can dig that. Um, you know, we've got a few more minutes left and <laughs> well, uh, I'm going to, uh, you know, I, I want to ask you just a few more things real quick. And, um, and I'll, man, I, I thank you number one for, for your time and for your service and for coming on here and, you know, being one of the first Guinea pigs and, and for that, man, I'm, I'm truly grateful, but you know, what does the words alcoholic or addict mean to you? Um, for my personal life, what I've came across is, you know, physically, you know, it's not far from what the Silkworth definition is, which is, you know, he likened it to, to the, uh, to the, to an allergy. Now you got to keep in mind that, that these things, that the big book was written in the mid thirties, sure. you know, and medical science wasn't where it is today. You know, the American Medical Association has a very good definition, which I find to be brilliant and I find to be very in line with what Silkworth calls. And that definition is a disease in the circuitry of the brain relating to pleasure centers. 
And for me, that fits perfectly. For you, it may not fit perfectly. So my, you know, the work, the, the reason, you know, that the only only real help that we get in, in, uh, in um, addiction problems is through a spiritual change. And a spiritual change is rewiring our brain in a different way. And, you know, one day medical science, as it says in the book, may be able to get in there and rewire it, you know. But today it's a manual process where we have a little operator in there. We have to stop using those holes and put it in the other holes, you know, and create some different circuits. Yeah, so. I mean, that's uh, – th- thank you, man. Um, you know, I've got, I've got just two more questions, and uh, I'll let you get back home to that new life. Um, number one is what, what is your favorite quote that we use in NAA? Are you talking about the you, bump, you know, you know, like the, you know the bumper stickers or what, what, what have you? Fake it until you make it. Fake it until you make it. Um, and then you know, finally, uh, you know, if you had the attention of the whole world for five minutes, what would you say? We are all one. And that's very John Lennon of you. Until until the world gets to the point where we recognize that we're all in the same fight for humanity and not for our own personal fears, um, you know, just think of where we would be in being able to get into outer space if all of the human humans on Earth were focused on particular goals, as to their own filling their pockets or whatever political agenda they have to be able to feel how far along humanity would be. How we wouldn't have oceans full of plastics today, we would be able to recycle those plastics and reuse them. Um, we're just a very wasteful for the thing, and and my main message would be that you know what we what one person does affects everyone. I like that. I can dig that. You know, guys, if you um, want to hear more of this, please download it because uh, you know Rich is 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 steep and 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 some good. That's just some good shit, and I and I greatly appreciate it. Um, thank you so much, bud, for coming on and, um, sharing some of your experience, strength and hope. Um, you know, guys, if you, um, if you like what you heard, just, you know, hit like or hit subscribe, um, below and do all those other things that, you know, you're supposed to do apparently. But, uh, I want to say, you know, thanks rich and thanks to you guys for, for coming back and, and listening. And if you're new here, we want to let you know that, um, you're not alone. You know, you're a part of the tribe. Uh, we love you and reach out to us. If you have any questions, any concerns, the email is going to be somewhere right, um, underneath there. And you know what? God bless you. And I'll see you if I, I'll see you if I see you, if you don't see me first, y'all have a great day. <laughs>